Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake and in my flesh. I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is us, the church. Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me to make the word of God fully known. The mystery that was hidden in ages and generations but is now revealed to us, his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Riley, would you pray with me just one more time? Christ in us, the hope of glory. God, there is nothing more magnificent to give our lives to than that fact. And so, God, I pray for every single person here in Clemson, every person in Myrtle Beach and Greenville, every single person listening to this on podcast or watching it later on YouTube, that tonight you would hit them with a revelation that the mystery and what's felt far off has become made known through Jesus Christ. And it's this, there's hope of glory. And so, God, we, we ask you tonight that you would come and you would meet with us through the power of the Holy Spirit, that, God, my words would fall aside, but your words would be so, so clear and so, so loud in every single heart and every single ear. God, we, we love you. This is, he, this is for you. Rally's here for you. All of us, we're here for you. We don't just want another gathering, just another church activity. We need you, God. So give us tonight the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus because of the love of the Father. In Christ's name, amen. Amen, amen. Okay, what is the point of being a Christian? Like, what's the point? I don't know if you've ever wondered this or asked this question or thought about, it. where is this thing actually going? And I'm assuming that multiple of you here tonight are Christians. Maybe you grew up in a Christian home. Maybe you uh, met Jesus in college. Maybe, maybe you had some different circumstances than that. But have you ever wondered what the point is? Like, where is this thing actually going? So, so those of you that are in college, right, you know where this is going. College is going so that you can get a degree, so that hopefully you can get a good job, so that hopefully you can buy yourself vacations. Sound about right? Some of you want to do that. Others of you are in dating relationships, and you're thinking, okay, where is this thing going? And some of you are hoping this is the one. Right, this, this thing is the one. This is, this is where this is going. And some of you will be now nudging your boyfriend or girlfriend saying, where is this going? It's going with a ring. That's where it's going. It needs to be going with a ring, otherwise we're not going any further. But where's Christianity going? Where's your faith going? Where's your life with God going? Because, because here's the thing. If Christianity is just a set of ever-outdated moral pursuits... Or if Christianity is just simply some theological beliefs, uh, theological beliefs that you kind of say, okay, yes, yes, maybe, hope so, great, and I get some sort of like eternal pass into heaven. If that's all it is, it's a waste of your time. It's a total waste of your time. So what is the point? What is the point of being a Christian? Where is this thing going? What is the direction? And I don't just mean generally. I mean in your life. Where's this thing going? What's the point of it? Because it's going to get ever increasingly harder. What if, in fact, this is the easiest it's ever been to be a Christian? What are you going to do then? What if, as you've have left the comfort of maybe your, your home or your home state, uh, for me, my home country I've left, 
And you find yourself in places where suddenly actually being a Christian doesn't feel as easy and logical as it did when you were growing up. Or maybe it, it felt easy in the first year of college, but now as college is going on, the, the world's starting to disciple you more than the church. And before long, you start to realize, why am I doing this? Like, what's the point of this thing? Where's it going? And Paul, in these, these verses that we just read, or that I just read, you didn't read them, I just read them at you. Paul, in these verses, he begins with a vision for the future of a Christian that is three things. It's both compelling, it's naturally impossible, and it's absolutely worthwhile to give your life to. It is compelling, it is naturally impossible, and it's utterly worthwhile to give your life to. We're going to pull this one more verse on the screen from, from Colossians chapter 1, and it's this, verse 27, it's the second half of what we read. To them, us, God chose to make known among the Gentiles, that means people who are not ethnically Jewish, maybe most of you, some of you might be ethnically Jewish, you're welcome to. God made, to, chose to make known among the Gentiles the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So him, Jesus Christ, we proclaim. Paul's saying, this is what I'm doing for my ministry. I'm, I'm warning everyone and I'm teaching everyone with all wisdom, why? Where is this thing going? What is the point of this thing? It's that we may present everyone mature in Christ. So for this I toil, Paul says, for this I work, for this I strive, for this I strain, struggling with all of the energy that God works powerfully within me. And so tonight we're gonna to get around the idea that Christ in you, this mystery that's now been revealed, this mystery leads somewhere, it's going somewhere, that Christ being in you has a direction for your life, that if you'll put your life under it, will change everything about your life. It's Christ in you that you will be formed into his image, that you will become mature, that you would become mature. Everyone in Clemson, let's warm this up a bit. Say mature with me. Mature. Say it British. Mature. There you go. And so for the remainder of our time together, I'm going to give you what I think is a vision for maturity. As we're talking in this series about the ways of Jesus, as we're talking about what it means to pursue him, I need us to think about it this, the pursuit of Jesus is the pursuit of maturity. And so maturity, how does this happen? Maturity is formed by intentionality over time through the power of the Holy Spirit. Maturity is formed by intentionality over time, through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're just going to break down some of those concepts for the rest of our time together, and then we're going to ask God to do what only he can do and bring the power of the Holy Spirit to ignite that, that intentionality in our lives. So maturity. If we, you've got a Bible with me, you can turn, turn, you can turn to Matthew chapter 22, verse 34. It's not going to be up on the screen. I'm going to read it. I'm going to just whiz through it. It's going, to be a, it's going to be a fast little story. So Jesus is here. He's being questioned by the religious leaders of his day. And when the Pharisees heard that he'd silenced the Sadducees, so that's two religious groups that Jesus was speaking to at the time, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, you've got to understand what this, what this lawyer is doing here. This lawyer isn't just going, what do you think's really good in life? But in the Jewish culture, there were 613 commandments that were in the first five books of the Bible. We call that the Pentateuch. The Jews call it the Torah. And there were 613 rules in there. 365 of them were negatives. Do not do blank. Do not do blank. 365 times. There were all of these rules and these uh, 
concepts and these ideas. And then there were an additional 1,500 Mishnah, which were like extra thoughts on the rules. So when the lawyer is coming to Jesus, he's saying, tell us, tell us what you think the most important thing is. He's actually saying there's these thousands of rules and expectations that our culture has built up over time. What do you think is the most important one? It's an impossible question. But Jesus answers him like this. He says to him, you shall love the Lord your God with your heart and your soul and your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself on these commands Depends all of the law and then all of the prophets. So for Jesus, the entirety of the law, the entirety of what maturity looks like is this. It's summed up in the word love. It's a love for God that is consuming in every area of your life, heart, soul, mind, and strength. And it is a love for your neighbor, both your neighbor that you like and your neighbor that you dislike, both your friend and your enemy, both the person that you feel connected to and the person you feel distant from. Jesus says the law, maturity, is summed up in this, becoming a person of love, becoming a person who can give love and a person who can receive love. That's what maturity is in the kingdom of God. That's what maturity is according to Jesus. It's not theological concepts. It's not being in ministry full time. It's not being a preacher. It's not being a pastor. It's not being a kids minister. It's not serving. It's not going to rally. It's not giving. Maturity in the kingdom of God is summed up in love. Becoming a person of love. Character renewal and transformation that enables you to love God without shame, to receive his love, and to be able to express it to the world around you, both people that you call friend and people that you call enemy. And there's not a more radical message out there right now than that the kingdom of God is a kingdom of love. Both for people that look like us and don't look like us. People that vote like us and people that don't look, vote like us. People that annoy us on Facebook and people we repost on Facebook. None of you are on Facebook. That was completely irrelevant. But, but you get what I'm saying. Jesus says maturity is love. So how do we cultivate love? How do we cultivate a life of love in the kingdom? Intentionality, the first part, if you're taking notes, intentionality. Intentionality is this. Dallas Willard says this quote. He's a, a famous uh, thinker, a preacher. He's very influential in, in my life. And if you're looking for someone who you want to start reading, and uh, Dallas Willard, buy any of his books, well worth your time. He says this, that the path of spiritual growth in the riches of Christ is not a passive one. Grace is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. But effort is action, earning is attitude. Glenn just said that a second ago. We receive, we don't strive. But you've never seen people more active than those who've been set on fire by the grace of God. Paul perhaps understood grace better than any other mere human being. Look back at what had happened to him. And he said, in the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me wasn't in vain. But I labored more than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God within me. There's this tension in Christianity that grace is absolutely opposed to earning. You can do nothing to earn God's love, but you absolutely need to bring effort to the bear with what you want to, what, with the way you live your Christian life. Here's the thing: no one has ever stumbled into being more Christ-like. No one has ever just fallen into, oh, now I'm a, I'm a patient person. I just suddenly am more patient than I was yesterday. Oh, oh, no, I'm more kind. I'm more loving. The fruits of the Spirit are cultivated. So you and I have a part to play. You and I have a part to play. Bible reading, fasting, prayer, solitude, hospitality, all of these practices 
these means of grace, they require you to do something. Your Bible will not fall open in the morning. You will have to choose to open it. You don't just forget to eat and call it a fast. You have to actually intentionally fast. Strangers will not just come into your house. If they do, call the police. But if, but if you invite them in, you're practicing hospitality. These things, these things are intentional in our lives. And when we build our lives around intentionality, God meets us there and does more because he's always multiplying. He takes loaves and fishes, average quiet times and average prayers, and he multiplies them into miracles. God can do that with you, but you're going to have to bring your intentionality. These are means of grace that God gives us so that we might grow. You can develop your own history with God. The Bible says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That's not conditional, that's a promise. So that as you draw near, he cannot help himself but draw near to you. So intentionality, us partnering with God in our own sanctification. But then we just have to reckon that that takes time. Time doesn't equal maturity. It's not the older you get, the more mature you get. But maturity is impossible without time. So it's not just the older I get, the better Christian I am, but maturity will take time. Oswald Chambers, the great devotional writer, said this, spiritual maturity is not reached by the passing of years, but by obedience to the will of God. The more you obey, the more you mature. And so time is required to prove and establish maturity in your life. You might be a new believer. You might have gotten saved in the last year. You might be very new to Christianity. You might be just testing it out. You might still not really be sure if it's real. All of those things might be true. But here's what I know. You might grasp very quickly theological concepts. You might be able to understand excuse me, what is happening to you. You might be able to understand salvation. You might be able to understand God's word. You might be able to grasp all of these things. But maturity will not happen quickly. You can be as intentional as you want, but it takes time to grow. Do you know why it takes time to grow? Because one of the biggest ways that we grow is through suffering, and you can't schedule that. You don't choose when the report hits. You don't choose when the family trauma happens. You don't choose when life goes sideways. You don't get to choose that stuff, but you do get to choose how you grow through it. Romans 5 says this, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Who says that? No one else but Christians can say that. No one else but Christians gets a claim that the circumstances of life can be redeemed for good. No one else. Why? Because we know that suffering will produce endurance. You don't need endurance if you're not going on a journey, and a journey equals time. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope, it does not put us to shame. Because God's law has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. That's Romans 5. And that's the final point that's the final part and that's the final piece of how intentionality happens. Your suffering is unscheduled. Your intentionality, it's only going to do so much. The passing of time will happen. And God will work in your life over time. But all of that is just man-made. All of that is just natural stuff. And if I've learned one thing about living here in the southeast is that we don't need more man-made religion. We don't need more concepts. We don't need more ideas. We don't need more rules. We need God. And God is the only person worth giving your life to. And God is the only person worth living your life for. And anything else will leave you completely dissatisfied. And so maturity, this formation into a person who's able to give love, who's able to receive love, which is in a whole other journey in itself, 
and he's able to extend love to people around you all of the time to be a vessel for God's love. That ultimately is a supernatural work. That ultimately happens through the power of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't happen through might. It doesn't happen through striving. It happens through the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul said this, Colossians 1.29. He said, I'm going to present everyone mature in Christ. And for this, I'm going to toil. I'm going to struggle with all of his energy that he powerfully works within me. You see the juxtaposition here. You see the th- two things working against each other. I'm going to toil. I'm going to put intentionality in place. I'm going to put disciplines in place. I'm going to put structure in place. I'm going to put community in place. And I do this how? Through all of his energy that he works in me. That word energy there is the Greek word. means It's dunamis. It's the where we get the word dynamite from. It means power. It means power. It's the same word that Paul uses in, in, in uh, another place where he talks about God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and a spirit of love and a sound mind. And so the Holy Spirit comes to bring power, power that will work in us so that even though we toil, even though we're working, even though we're bringing intentionality, even though we've committed to the process of time, there's this thing happening which is God's power working in us constantly, activating Bible reading to make it actually real and transformative, taking small, weak prayers and turning them into things that move mountains, taking the practice of community week in, week out, day in, day out, and turning that into something that actually forms us and changes us. Take something like skipping a meal in in a fast and turns it into the way that God's power will rest on your life. All of that is only possible through the Holy Spirit. And so it's the power of the Holy Spirit that we need first to activate on that journey to maturity. Because if we set out with our own intentionality, we will eventually run out of strength. And if we just wait for time to happen, you may just wait until you're old and realize you never matured at all. But if you begin with an encounter with God, if you begin with an encounter with God, then maturity will be the fruit of your life. And you will live with such a weight of Christ in you, the hope of glory, that the world won't able to be able to steal it and circumstances won't be able to break it and your life will be richer and more full than you can possibly imagine. Not easy, not pain-free, but full of glory. Romans 12, 1 says this, I appeal, you there, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. So do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. Why does Paul use the phrase living sacrifice here? He uses it for this reason. I was not pausing for you to answer. I was pausing so I could take a drink. He uses it for this reason. Because a living sacrifice is consistently burning, but it's never consumed. And there are some of us here and in Myrtle Beach and Greenville and people listen to the podcast who have burned and then fluffed out. And burned and then it's gone. And it's a youth camp and it's out. And it's rally and it's gone. That's not living sacrifice, that's just sacrifice. But what would it look like 
for a generation of young adults to say, I'm so consumed by the things of God, I continually burn and yet the fire doesn't go out. I continually burn, but my sacrifice is such that it's living that I'm continually being renewed again and again and again into the character of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, that I'm so surrendered and I'm so committed to this thing that even though it feels like I'm burning sometimes, I'm sticking the course and I'm staying in it. Even though it feels painful and difficult and I'm not 100% sure where this is going, I've just committed, I'm gonna be mature in Christ. I'm growing up. I've committed to take a, a, a decision and a trajectory of my life that doesn't look like anything I've seen before in my family line. It doesn't look like anything I saw in my church growing up. It maybe doesn't look like anything in your current friendship group, but it says, I am going to run the race that Christ has set before me. I am going to be mature in Christ. What would it look like, Rally? What would it look like? To present our bodies. Why does Paul say bodies? Because this isn't a spiritual, ethereal thing. It's the choices that you and I make with our flesh and blood day in, day out. It's the choices that we make with our time, the choices that we make with our minds, the choices that we make with our physical bodies. It's the choices we make with our sexuality. It's the choices that we make with our money. It's the choices that we make with our food. It's all of those things. God wants to take all of that. He wants you to take it and present it to him and say, this belongs to you. This is yours. It's my sacrifice to you. So when I'm thinking about this idea of maturity and I'm thinking about this idea of becoming a person of love, I'm thinking about a living sacrifice. I think really the key to maturity rally is this. Every piece of your life that's not surrendered is a place that you've allowed an idol to take precedence over Jesus. And maturity is simply saying there's no more places where God doesn't have total lordship in my life. Because God wants to have lordship over your mind, and God wants to have lordship over your heart, and God wants to have lordship over your intentions, and God wants to have lordship over your motives, and he wants to be lord of all. And C.S. Lewis said, if he's not lord of all, he's not lord at all. So tonight, I want to invite us into a place of surrender, into a place where we say, God, I'm, I'm going to take you seriously. I'm going to take this call to maturity seriously. I'm going to take this invitation to surrender seriously. So I'm going to invite you across every location to stand with me right now. We're going to head towards a time of response. Because it's not going to be my words and it's not going to be my formula of maturity that actually changes you. It's going to be the power of God. It's going to be the Holy Spirit moving in such a way that your heart becomes soft to hear his voice and he gets to say this bit, this part of your heart, this is the space where you need to give to me. This, this thing over here, you've given me all kinds of lordship, you've given me all kinds of place where you're like, yep, God, I'm a Christian here, but there's this place. And I gotta tell you guys, with no amount of guilt or attempt to manipulate you, that if you continue to hide places from the Lordship of God, eventually that will grow and spread and it will take over your life. And so surrender is the mark of maturity. You want to grow up? You want your Christianity to be going somewhere? Here's the best place for it to go, surrender. The best place for it to go is to surrender, to give God that place. To say, God, I might not even know where it is, but I need you to take this. 
Some of it might be behavior. Some of it might be actions and things that you're doing. It's very obvious to you and you know exactly what it is. But as I've, as I've walked with God, I've realized it's not the big sins necessarily. It's the stuff that I didn't even know about that was in there. It was my motives. It was my heart. It was my attitudes. It is my attitudes. It is my motives. It is my heart. It's the things in me that I wasn't even aware of. And those things, even those things, God wants to purify. And God wants to renew. And God wants to change. But it begins with surrender. It begins with us saying, God, there's a part of my life that I've not allowed you to touch. And I've not allowed you to have lordship over. And I want to grow up in Christ. And I want the hope of glory to so fill my life that I'll do anything. So tonight we're going to just, we're going to step into a moment of response in just one moment. I'm almost definitely going to kick that water bottle over later, but that's going to be okay. I want to invite you to just start to ask God, God, where is it in your heart right now? You might already know which case you're primed for what's coming next. But if you want to take following Jesus seriously, like you want it actually to matter more than anything else, if you want to be able to say, I love the Lord my God with all my heart and my soul and my mind and my strength and I have become a person of love so that I might love my neighbor and display God's glory, then that is going to require a step. It's going to require obedience. It's going to require intentionality over time, but it's also going to require this, the power of the Holy Spirit, who is here tonight to bring about change. So all of our campuses that are watching right now, Myrtle Beach, Greenville, we're about to hand over in one second. And the local team, worship team is going to come and going to pray, and there's going to be opportunities for response. So God bless you. Thank you for joining us tonight. I pray that God does amazing things in your room right now.